Alrighty, peoples. Today we're talking a little bit about the Equality Act, um, some of my concerns with it, and then a really interesting exchange that happened within the halls of our Congress uh, this week, and a little bit of my take on that. So without further ado, uh, let's do the episode thing. Before we get to the episode, a word from today's episode's sponsor. Howdy folks, uh, today's episode is sponsored by the Harmonica. Thank you. Thank you very much. You thought I was going to have an actual sponsor on? Huh, no, nah, like I've said before, I'm not going to have an actual sponsor on. Just this episode, uh, we're talking about the Equality Act. Um, and it's going to get a little deep, a little heady, a little, you know, wordy and knowledgeable and deep into some scripture. And so I figured we'll break it up with a little bit of comedic relief right at the very uh, get-go. So like I said before, multiple times today we're talking about the Equality Act, also known as H.R. 5. This bill has recently passed the House of Representatives. It will more than likely get through the Senate, um, and it will more than likely be signed into law uh, by President Joe Biden. Um, so what is it? Well, I'll, I'll kind of break down a, a few key points here, um, and then we can get to it. Um, this bill, basically what it seeks to do Right, is it seeks to provide um, equality uh, for the LGBTQ uh, plus community. Um, let's see here. It, it redefines um, sex and gender identity as basically the same thing. Um, up until very recently, like, you know, my sociology of the class said I had this... Um, this is fall semester, uh, you know, sex is bio- biological and gender is a social construct as to what someone identifies at, um, right? This right here, um, this is straight from the, the, uh, uh, the bill. The term gender identity uh, means the gender-related identity, appearance, mannerisms, or other gender-related characteristics of an individual regardless of the individual's designated sex at birth, right? And then the word sex includes a sex stereotype, Pregnancy, childbirth, or a related medical condition, which I think would obviously include much more than just pregnancy and childbirth, but, you know, the other side of, of that, so to speak. Sexual orientation or gender identity, which are just defined according to this bill, and sexual characteristics. Right, so right there written into this bill, it redefines gender identity um, and sex as the same thing. Which would kind of change the idea that I was just taught by very... Kind of liberal uh, sociology class that said, you know, sex is different, yet kind of similar as gender. Um, So it redefines that, and then it redefines sex, um, including gender identity and sexual orientation, uh, which means homosexuality, heterosexuality, or bisexuality, um, under the classification of sex, right? And then it rewrites it into um, the Civil Rights Bill of 1964. Um, and basically just assures equality, right, you see, see, catch that word equality, um, for all, all sexes, gender identities, sexual orientations, those kinds of things. The first little bit of the bill, 
uh, presents. Let me see here. I'm, um, I'm getting back up to it. 20 different points, right, about uh, the LGBTQ community basically stating why there is um, a little bit of, I guess you would say, oppression and, and inequality there. References, you know, um, the foster care system. Um, I cer certainly think you could talk about like, like a wage gap, um, discrimination, things like that. Um, obviously, I, I do not agree with everything that this bill says right off the bat when it talks about sex. Um, I was very quick to combat what my sociology teacher said uh, about the idea of sex and gender. Um, I believe, um, I'll just make this clear right off the bat, and then we can jump into a little bit more of, of, of this, of a bit more uh, nuanced thought later, but I, I think that that sex uh, was created by God. Uh, the sex that you were assigned at birth is what you are. There is some science to suggest, um, you know, whether it was um, in the womb being introduced to more um, hormones and, and whatnot that, that you know, uh, someone can end up being more um, effeminate or, or, or masculine and um, sort of lean towards a certain direction. Um, you know, there's this whole thing about brain waves and male brain waves and female brain patterns, and as brain patterns is probably a better way way to put it. Um, but my my basic thought on this is that men are men, women are women, and there's really not much more to that than that. Um, but of course, we cannot judge the world by the standards of of you know one nineteen year old dude in his bedroom with with a podcast, right? Um, so, so I want, I want to talk, I want to kind of switch gears here, um, and talk about a different side of this. So one of the things that I mentioned in there that the spell talks about, um, is it specifically mentions, uh, pregnancy, childbirth, and other medical related conditions. Um, when it talks about that, when it talks about equality, when it talks about healthcare and not discriminating and, and access to people for these kinds of, you know, things such as, you know, the ACA, the Affordable Care Act and, and, and just, you know, healthcare in general as an idea, right? If you cannot discriminate off of the basis of sex, right? Like there is no denying, right? That only men or, or, or at least biological males, you know, People born with a specific stu set of stuff can get a vasectomy, right? Um, this is something that 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 happens again, mostly in 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 males. It's it's a different different phraseology, right? And if we were to say, well, no, we're gonna ban vasectomies, this would be targeting men in specific, right? Saying that our healthcare will no longer cover that. Now, there is a very certain hot-button topic issue that I may or may not have talked about in, in the last episode, shameless plug, not only applies to um, uh, one certain you know, biological aspect, and, and this, this is abortion, um, right? When we talk about equality and not discriminating, you know, it, it, this bill is basically saying you are discriminating against women if you are denying abortion, right? 
And then by equating it with the Civil Rights Act of, of, of 1964, they're basically saying you are the worst Jim Crow segregationist um, if you are denying denying a woman the, the right. I say right in quotes. If you could see me in my room, you know, I've got air quotes. Um, the right to an abortion. Um, and this kind of brings into... Um, right? Um, businesses... Um, when I think about them, specifically like Chick-fil-A and uh, Hobby Lobby. Um, I mentioned these two specifically, especially Hobby Lobby, um, due to a specific court case that may or may not have happened a few years ago. Um, I'm going to read this directly, all right? A quote, not from, you know, some iffy source out there or someone's blog or even a Christian source, straight from PlannedParenthood.com or .org or whatever it is. The Hobby Lobby bosses thought it was their business to control their, to control their employees' access to birth control. In fact, the owners claimed it would violate their religious beliefs, right? Because Hobby Lobby was is, um, is a business, right? But it was established and it is owned by, by Christian individuals. You see a lot of Christian paraphernalia, if you want to throw it out that way, at Hobby Lobby. And, and um, I think they might play... Like Christian music, but kind of like the instrumental version of it. There, it's been a while since it's been a Hobby Lobby. That's uh, not exactly uh, uh, my kind of scene. Um, in fact, the owners claim that it violated their religious beliefs to let their employees have access to birth control coverage. Now, this birth control coverage, and this is me, not the Planned Parenthood, was specifically um, a type of birth um, control that they thought bordered on. An abortificant, or, or or like like a chemical, chemically induced abortion, sort of like like a Plan B or something Plan B adjacent. Apparently, the owners were not concerned about tramping on the basic and on the beliefs and basic healthcare needs of their employees. The court ruled against birth control access in a five to four decision, with the majority of justices saying that Hobby Lobby and their closely held corporations can deny birth control coverage to their employees. The ruling set a new precedent. For the first time, the Supreme Court allowed the commercial profit-making world to deny people the basic health care like birth control because of religious beliefs. In the past, said Ruth ba- R- Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, uh, in her dissent, the Supreme Court only had such exemptions to individual people, not to businesses. Right, but what uh, H.R. 5 or the Equality Act is, is it would basically get rid of that Supreme Court um, thing, and it would say, no, if you're a business who wants to set a business in the United States of America, you have to provide health care and or including, not and or, but including um, access to abortion. This clearly goes against the consciousness of of Hobby Lobby and um, Chick-fil-A and, and, and other businesses, right, where their owners and their boards are making decisions based off of a biblical worldview. And so you'd think they would say, well, no, um, we're not going to be cool with this, right? This is a religious freedom, and we are saying, based off of our religion, we will not be providing this. Well, H.R. 5 is sure to make quick work of that. It says, quote, the Religious Freedom Act of 1993 shall not provide a claim concerning or defense to claim under a covered title or basis for challenging the application or enforcement of a covered title. Right, the Religious Freedom Restoration Act of 1993 uh, was basically established or, or put into place because people noticed, like, hey, 
you know, kind of the cases like Hobby Lobby, obviously this was a few years before Hobby Lobby, saying, hey, I feel like we're our religious liberties and kind of being infringed here, and we're going to set up a, a, an extra safeguard on top of the First Amendment to that. Right, right, but but this is, and this is, again, only for corporations and or things that receive federal funding or take place on the federal level or, or are not private corporations, right? So private schools, private Christian schools, um, if they don't receive any kind of federal funding are not going to have to go along with this. Um, any kind of college that receives federal aid will have to go along with this, no matter how Christian they are or not, right? Um, I go to a university that is, that is, um, at least Christ inspired and, and at most, you know, uh, definitely a Christian college. We, we have a chapel every Wednesday and, um, definitely there's Bible, Bible infused in it. We're all required to take a Bible class, at least, you know, one Bible class, right? Um, but despite of that fact, this is something that has to go through. See, this is, um, I have an issue with this, obviously based off of religious freedom. I'm a Christian. I, I will make no, no, if you're watching this now without watching any other episodes, I am a Christian and I am not going to deny that this bill makes me extremely uncomfortable, uh, just on, just on the basis of that. Now, someone might say, um, and I have had this conversation recently, um, well, no, you are a business operating and conducting business in the United States. Um, of course you're going to follow our rules and that is where I have an issue. It is the government coming in and setting standards for how someone must conduct business um, or what rights are presented to, to the workers. Um, I am tentatively against the idea of a minimum wage. I, I understand why it needs to exist and why there needs to be, um, you know, when you want to account for inflation and, and higher living prices, um, I understand why why it feels like there's a need to, but again, the idea of the government coming in and telling you how you can conduct your business, what wages you can play, pay your employees, and um, you know what what rights or whatnot that you can give or must give to your employees is something that I'm against. I'm a very small, limited government type person, and when you're on these vibes of telling businesses what they can and cannot provide to their employees on the basis of anything, right? I, I have an issue with that. And I would say even, and I know this is going to sound a little bit iffy here, and I'm going to explain um, a little bit more nuanced what I mean, but I even have an issue with the government telling, coming in and, and telling people that they cannot not hire on the basis of race and, and gender, or, or not so much gender, but sex. Let me explain what I mean here. I hate to give any credence to this place because it's it's immoral and and me no likey, but I I I've never had the food. I've never even been there. But I can't imagine that people go to Hooters right for the food. And there is a very specific type of person with a very particular set of skills to say um, that Hooters looks to hire to be their waitresses. I think Hooters has the right to do that. I think Hooters has the right to say, no, Levi, you are a six foot five, 260 plus pound 
male, and we don't want to hire you because you are lacking certain qualities that we look for in an employee. I do not like that business model. I think it's cheap, and I think it's disgusting, and I think it's you know taking advantage uh, of of men in our society and encouraging and uh, normalizing um, a particular sin, the sin of lust, and I don't like it. But I think that business has the ability to do that. I would also say, right, we hear a lot about buying black, black-owned businesses. Um, I see that a lot. Um, like almost any time I go to make an Instagram story or reels, it says buy black or, or share black businesses or buy black businesses, you know. Um, and, and I think about, you know, an all black business or, or an all Asian business or Asian owned business. And I can imagine um, a business owner, maybe not around the wealth level of LeBron, but we'll just use him, for example. Say he wanted to start a business. Um, in 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 an inner city, and he wanted to specifically use this um, to pay and to teach job skills, um, and with fully the intent on only hiring African American employees. I think he has the right to do that. I mean, obviously, you know, when it starts going the other way, it's a white owned business only hiring white people. Like, like that you're getting into sketchy terms with the history of racism, uh, but I don't think you can you can deny one and accept the other, and we'll talk about that in later in a later episode when I talk about racism being racism, and uh, that's gonna that's gonna ruffle a few feathers for sure if this one doesn't already. Okay, so I think that a business like Hobby Lobby, right, has a right to say no. These are our moral standards. These are how we want to conduct our business. And we're not going to give you access to this. I think Hobby Lobby has every right to do that. Just like I think a business has every right to say, hey, we are going to give this to you, right? And if you have an issue with the way that Hobby Lobby conducts their business, maybe instead of suing them, go work at Trader Joe's, right? Um, right. Um... So there's that. Another part of this bill is it talks a lot about um, reaffirming that LGBTQ, um, specifically the T, uh, the trans, um, have the ability to to have um, access to the space of their appropriate according to this sex, right? Uh, it basically says that if you're a federally funded institution, you must enforce all of this, including making sure um, that that trans people have access to the um, the bathroom, uh, the locker room, the sport, um, the the anything of their gender identification. And I want to talk about. Um, Something that, that I don't think gets talked about a whole lot. Um, it gets talked about, you know, a lot of people will say, oh, it just kind of gets um, looked at as something that's just, oh, you're just salty and you're making that point. But I want to make a real point. I want to put it in terms um, that will hopefully have um, some, um, people who, who are more liberal and would subscribe to this idea. Um 
under understand um, um some of the concern. Obviously, feminists um and um for for forever have been pushing for women's sports, um uh, for women's only spaces and for women to have equal opportunity as men. Uh, that's what Title IX in sports and in housing and and in all of this ensures. Um, but there could be some real damage done in this. Like I'm not going to deny, I on my college campus, I honestly could not list you uh, one 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 woman who is taller than me that I've seen. I'm certain they're out there, and I'm certain there are a lot more women who are who are more athletic than me. I'd imagine quite a quite quite many of of the college athletes on her campus, uh, college women's athletes, could outrun me in a forty. Like, there's no denying that I'm out of shape. I haven't, you know, tried to do anything athletic in a while now, and 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 you know, I'm kind of chubby. Um, but like, I'm tall, right? Um. And if I were to get in shape, I probably couldn't make a men's basketball team. But I think I'd have a very good shot on the women's basketball team. Um, obviously, this is if I got in shape and, and got to work. And, and I think I could actually probably make, make some damage. Now, obviously, not in my current state. right? I mean, I, I my high school career high was 11 points. Like, I'm not going to cat. Like, I'm, I'm not that good at basketball. But with the right training and right ability, I mean, I think I could, I think I could, I'm obviously not going to make it to the WNBA or even play D1, but hey, I think I got a good shot. Um, and like, you know, Brittany Griner, who's like, you know, like the tallest WNBA player I can know, I'll be honest, I don't really follow the WNBA that much, but she's six foot eight, like, like, like she's maybe three inches taller than me. And, um, so I, I think I could do pretty good. Um, but not only that, like, I'm a big dude, like, I got a lot of weight here, I got a lot of physicality to me, um, if college campuses, um, and places like this truly have a severe rape culture, like we are told, um, right, if we are truly about protecting women, I mean, one in five women, um, according to, to the most, you know, um, conservative, as in, like, 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 these are, like, the lowest, right, numbers I could find. One in five women say they are sexually abused in college today. One in 16 men, uh, but one in five women. And if men are as evil and perverted as they are said to be, why would we promote this legislation? What is to stop a man hell-bent on, on, on fulfilling his sexual imagination or sexual inkling or, 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 you know, God forbid, acting on it? What is to stop him um, if, he, if he truly is as bad as, as the people who, who subscribe to this particular ideology? What is to stop him from going to extreme lengths? And saying, well, you know, I'm not allowed access, right, to a woman's changing room or a woman's locker room or a woman's shower area. Well, what's the easiest way to do that? Well, there's this Equality Act thing. 
They can't tell me I'm not trans. Maybe, maybe, you know, shaving my beard and wear a wig, but, you know, I've still got all, all the functioning members. I'm still just a dude out there trying to get my fix. Right? If one in five is the lowest stat, what would stop men if they truly are this way that they are said to be? And quite frankly, some of them, if not, you know, all of them who are doing this are from accessing um, one of the women's only spaces in order to do what they do. See, I have no issue with allowing those who truly identify as transgender you know, to use whatever bathroom they want. But there has to be some kind of standard for proving this. You know, I don't know if this is, you know, uh, um, a dedication to it, uh, how often they're taking hormone pills. I wouldn't know how we would determine the standard. But this bill has no standard, right? And this bill allows for no standard to be created because that would be, you know, discrimination and, and, and not equality. But it gives men, irregardless of whether they are truly trans or not, carte blanche access to women's spaces. I genuinely think that you cannot hold these two ideas at the same. Either all men are bad or will go to extreme lengths uh, uh, to gratify that their, their evil and horrible sexual desires. Rape culture is, is a prominent issue uh, that college campuses deal with. And women need to be create, uh, protected in Title IX. But at the same time saying, oh yeah, men can just have access to women's spaces if they say they identify as trans. Where is the standard? What is it, this that upholds the protections for biological women? And that is one of, if not many issues that I have with this bill. And, and I hope that, that you can see um, some of the reasons why I would take issue with this. Right. So now, now I want to get to um, no, kind of my, wrap up a little bit on this. Would I vote for this bill if I was in Congress? No. This is getting struck down. I'm voting no on this. Like, there's no way this is getting past me. But there is no denying, right, that with our democracy, with the way that our system is set up, our constitutional republic and all that, and the Democrats control the House, Democrats control the Senate, and they control the presidency. The majority of Americans have voted. They have spoken. Their voices have been heard. Um, and... Uh, this legislation is getting pushed through. Uh, we may not like it. We may not want to follow it. And it certainly does have a lot of holes. But there's no denying that this legislation is coming through. Right? So what's what's the Christian's response to this? Uh, I want to read you guys 1 Corinthians 5, 12-13. For what have I, or, or this is Paul talking here, for what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is not those inside the church who you are to judge? God judges those on the outside. Purge the person, the evil person from among you. See, this world is fallen and broken. We cannot expect the world to follow or serve God. We cannot hold the world to our standards, right? The world is going to do what the world's going to do. We can encourage people to find Christ and to begin the process of sanctification. We can encourage good behavior in our circles, and we can admonish those um, godly brothers and sisters around us to truly be striving after Christ. 
uh, and to truly be living out um, um, our holiness and sanctification. But we cannot expect those who are not regenerated by Christ uh, to live as if they are regenerated. Um, so is this bill going to get pushed through? Yeah, it is. Uh, what should Christians do? Um, well, run for office for one. Um, I think we need a lot more more uh, people who are willing to say, yeah, I'm a Christian, and not not hold back from that. Uh, we need to be sure that we vote uh, for people who will uphold our standards. And I think we need to pray ultimately for the hearts and minds of people that they will find Christ and truly be uh, transformed through the renewal of their mind, as Romans says. All right. All right, I'm going to switch gears real quick, but kind of keep along, along the same vibes. Um, this is a really important discussion to have, um, especially as our nation moves forward, especially as uh, secular humanism becomes more and more prevalent in our society, and, and it's going to become even more so than it is now, which is astonishing. Representative Greg Stube, uh, Stube or just Stube, um, uh, a Republican from Florida, um, criticized the Equality Act during a House debate, saying it violates Christian beliefs. He said a woman must not wear men's clothing, nor a man wear women's clothing. For the Lord your God detests anyone who does this. Now this verse isn't concerned at all about clothing styles, but with the person determining their own sexual identities, he said. It's not clothing or personal style that offends God, but rather the use of one's appearance to act or to take out a sexual take on a sexual identity different from the one biologically assigned by God at birth. When men and women claim to be able to choose their own sexual identity, they're making a statement that God did not know what he was doing when he created them. And when a nation's laws uh, no longer reflect the standards of God, uh, that a nation is in rebellion against him and will inevitably bear the consequences. You see, these were the statements that he made on the House floor. And quite frankly, wow, I'm surprised someone would truly be uh, this strong and this and this brash and, and, and make a statement like this in the halls of our Congress today. And, well, he's certainly bearing, bearing quite substantial backlash. Um, this is a very interesting quote, first off, because I would say that, that, that I agree with what he's saying, obviously. Um, but but it, it brings me to, to a little bit of nuance when we talk about um, political discourse in this country. Um, I'm going to do an episode on separation of church and state and why that idea is false. And talk about why Christians should get involved in politics and why we should... You know, Based what we be, based what we think is best for this country, based off of God's law, um, I'll do it. I'll do an episode on that later. I don't want to get too much into that here, um, but I want to talk about the way that politics in America works. Um, see, I do not know much about uh, Representative uh, Stube, um, but what I do know is that he's a Republican from Florida and that he was elected to Congress. I'd assume that his constituents know um, that he is a Christian and that this is something that, that um, bases his ideals on. And a lot of what American politicians run on is not only ideas, but personality and character. I think if the representatives and his constituents in his district in Florida elected him knowing that he was going to say stuff like this, more power to them. 
I don't think that he has, and there's anything wrong with him saying this from Congress, uh, based off of just the way that the American system works. He was elected to office, and if he was elected uh, with his constituents knowing that he was going to say things like this, they voted for him, uh, the, even if it was just 51%, right? 51% of people in this district voted for him to say these things, right? Like, it's that simple. But it also goes the other way, right? And this is going to really hurt some Christians, right? Because if 51% of people voted in a rabid progressive atheist, they voted that person into Congress and they could say whatever they want and support whatever bill based off of whatever, you know, it is that they believe. And if 51% of, uh, 100% of all of the congressmen and women and congresspeople and, and the president right, are voted as extremely secular atheists, and they govern that way? Well, shoot, they have every right to do that. And this is really going to irk some Christians, because Christians in America seem to believe and think that everything has to be filtered through the lens of Christianity in our nation. And that is simply not true. The government makes decisions based off of what they were voted and appointed in to do. They're the... Um, they're beholden only to themselves and to the, their constituency, right? If, if 51% of their constituency voted for them, for the rabid atheist over the, the, the uh, regenerated Christian, then that person can govern based off of, you know, they were elected to do that. And I don't think a lot of Christians are, are comfortable with that idea, but it's something I think we got to get used to. And why I think we should get involved more in the political discourse. Right. Um, and so now I want to get into a deeper question. Because obviously this ruffled some feathers. And a lot of Congress men and women had a lot to say. And I want to focus in on one quote uh, from Jerry Nadler. Um, he is a uh, Democrat. I, I know he's a Democrat. I believe he's from New Jersey. Um... Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's either from yeah no he's from New York, not New Jer New Jersey. Excuse me, I am um, I'm not too familiar with the politics or other people of that reason region, other than Andrew Cuomo for you know the fact that he is you know Andrew Cuomo. Um, let's see here. He said, "What well, any religious traditions describe as God's will is of no concern of this Congress," and I would disagree with that. See, because. Uh, Representative Stuve was elected, and if his constituency, and he thinks that the concern of his God, um, the Christian God, and God's will, it is a concern of this Congress, right? Just like the religious tradition, or, 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 or um, at least the worldview of Jerry Nadler is of concern to the Congress, right? He says what he wants based off of the authority given to him um, by the Constitution and the people who elected him to office. But obviously, we're, we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk a little bit more nuanced. Does God really care? Is, does God really care um, about Congress and the United States Congress? Of course it does. God is an authority over this world. Uh, Jesus is alive and well and active and moving in this world. Um, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus Christ. Um, and of course he cares about what goes on in this world. And of course God's will 
um, as a Christian, believing that um, that Christianity and the God of the Bible is the true uh, faith. Of course, if I think that's true, I think God cares a whole lot about Congress, just like I believe that he cares a whole lot about, you know, um, our everyday lives. Um, and I want to talk about uh, a little bit of nuance. I don't think it's talked about a whole lot uh, when we talk about scripture and scripture verses pertaining to government. Uh, Romans 13, 1 uh, through 7. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And those who exist have been instituted by God. Right right there, it seems to say that God's will really cares about what goes on in government. Because, Jerry Nadler, you have no authority. The United States has no authority if not deemed by God. And the fact that you are elected to Congress is kind of God's will. Right? I mean, obviously God's will cares about what happens in Congress. Otherwise, you wouldn't be elected. Therefore, whoever resists the authority... Um, Resist what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. Um, we'll, we'll talk about what I think about this verse a little bit later. Let's keep reading. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. When they're you know, submitting to God's will, of course. Um, would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, because he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is a servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjugation, not only to avoid God's wrath, but for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you pay; you also pay taxes. For the authorities are ministers of God, intending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. Respect to whom respect is owed. And honor to whom honor is owed right so so we could talk again we'll talk a little bit more about the nuanced bit of this but what i really want to get at is that god cares god cares about our governments and he obviously even cares about how they they are acting right because it talks about here you know do not be afraid for he does not bear the sword in vain for he's a servant of god avenger who carries out god's wrath on the wrongdoer now, obviously, Nero, the, the Roman emperor, was not carrying out God's wrath on the wrongdoer, but was carrying out his own wrath against, you know, Christians, uh, and those who, who, were, who were Jesus followers, and, you know, um, the, the following and subsequent Roman emperors who would go on to heavily persecute the church, and, and even the governing authorities who would have Jesus crucified on the cross, um, certainly we're not bearing out God's wrath and the wrongdoer, seeing as how Jesus did nothing wrong. But it is uh, quite obvious from this scripture passage that God cares about government. First uh, Peter two thirteen through seventeen: Be subject to the Lord for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be an emperor as supreme or to governors as set by him to punish those who do evil and praise those who do good. Right. Obviously, and also we're talking a little bit more about you know the 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 place of government according to the bible you know they're always supposed to punch those who do evil and praise those who do good again different topic uh for this is the will of god where do we hear this about god's will uh that by doing good you should be put you should be put to silence the ignorance of foolish people live as people who are free not using your freedoms as a cover for evil but living as servants of god honor everyone love the brotherhood fear god honor the emperor see god has authority over this world. Nothing exists on this world um, that is not created by uh, God. All right. 
Um, nothing happens that, that God does not know. There's no little corner of, of the globe that God does not have his eye on. So Jerry Nadler, does God truly, does that truly not matter? Well, we know by the American system that, that what, the, the, the God that, um, some particular person, what, whether this be, um, you know, Brahma, um, any, I mean, heck, even Zeus and all them, them, them Greco, Greco-Roman gods, um, the, the God of the Bible, um, you know, whether that be whatever it is that is influencing someone's decision making and how they vote, um, I'd say it does. Um, obviously, at this point, we know that Christian is Christianity is not, um, at least when we're talking about political discourse, uh, um, the 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 majority in America anymore. Um, there also isn't a, you know, Christian party where everyone who identifies as Christian um, runs for office. Obviously, both presidents who ran in this election, well, gosh, who even knows about Donald Trump? But certainly, you know, both vice presidents who ran in this election uh, would identify as some form of Judeo-Christian religion. I believe Kamala Harris is a Catholic. Um, her husband is Jewish and Mike Pence is a Christian right? And they obviously very much so disagree politically. Otherwise, you know, they wouldn't be, you know, more or, le- more or less running against each other. So, my point is, is that God's will is, of course, concerned with every little bit of everyday life that goes on in this in this life. And by the standards of the American people and the American system, what any religious tradition described as God's will is a concern of this Congress for as long as people who are of that religious tradition are elected to Congress. There's nothing that says once you are elected to Congress that you you have to stop being religious, right? Religion and worldview should not be left at the door. It should influence our every decision, including the decisions made in the Hall of Congress. I'm assuming that Jerry Nadler does not leave his beliefs when he walks through the halls of Congress. He is not only thinking about you know, oh, what is best for the American people? Everyone has a worldview. Everyone has a pair of worldview goggles that they see the world through, whether they try to deny it or not. Everyone is biased, at least to some degree. And, and, and no no stone is left un, unturn, overturned or unturned. or Oh, gosh, I don't even know what I'm saying now. No stone is left untouched. Um, no corner of your mind, of your worldview, is not influenced by some kind of in- innate belief, right? Everyone believes in something. Even if you are believing in nothing, you, you're, you're believing in something, and I can prove it to you. Again, another episode for another time, we can talk about how everyone believes in something, right? I am assuming that you would not say this ab- about um, senators... Uh, um, uh, or not Senator, excuse me, uh, Representative Ilhan Omar, if, if she were to sit, criticize this bill or criticize something in, in the name of, of Islam, I would assume that you would not say the same uh, for someone um, who would support this bill on the basis of their Christian religion, um, such as as an a, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who, who has said, Basically, the, the, the point of the Christian religion is to, you know, 
make everyone feel good because God is love. Again, another episode or another time if I choose to touch on it. So, again, the key point is, you know, if you are a Christian, uh, whether that be in the way you conduct your business, uh, whether that be in the way you create your art, the way you go about um, doing your, your schoolwork, the way you go about, you know, studying for, for um, uh, midterms and exams, whether that be um, your job, even if your job is, is, you know, congressman or sitting president of the United States of America, do not let the world tell you that your 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 religion and your worldview has no bearing on that on that job. Secularism is not a neutral position and neither should you. Christianity is not a neutral position, right? It it is both offensive and defensive. We need to be sure that we are wearing the full armor of God, that we are armed uh with the scriptures and that we are ready to um, uh, be give to give a defense for our faith at any time, as as Peter says in, in one of his two books. So with that, I, I I leave you with this to to think to think critically and to judge each bill that you see coming from Congress based off of the merits of what the bill says, but also to to not leave the Bible at the door, no matter what you do. Um, the scriptures and um, what God says, what God's truth is, is important in your everyday life. And do not let the world convince you of that otherwise. Alrighty, with that, um, insert clever ending here. Goodbye. Hey, I'm a, uh, 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 Joey. Do you think I can, you think I can end this episode with a little bit of that, that harmonica, harmonica goodness? Come on, man. Give me a little break here. But, but I already played it at the beginning, and I think it would be a really great way to wrap it up, just to give the folks a little... What do you think, man? I, I don't know here. I've got a feeling you're gonna like it. Come on, man. Life. Okay, Joe, I have a laugh. I just made an entire podcast. I just want to play a little harmonica. You got an issue with this? We can take this outside if you want. I can play a little ballad. Push-ups you want to do here, pal. Oh. I don't want to do push-ups. I just want to play the harmonica. But I guess then, see you outside. Don't let me catch you slacking there.